Lord's good. <clears throat> Before we get started today, I wanted to give you an update. The Sunday that we got back from youth camp last year, I encourage all of you, and whenever you give, whether friend amount of the frequency of how you get paid every other week, every week, every once a month, whatever it is, to give an additional $10 toward youth camp. And I said, I challenged you to raise $1,000 for a year. And I want to give you an update. Here we are. That was August. Here we are. It's beginning of December. We already have half of our goal has already been reached. So thank you, Lord. So we, uh, Charlotte and Josh, just this week, if you can believe it, are already trying to schedule our time for this coming summer for youth camp. Um, the facility that we've used in the past is already reserved, if you can imagine that. So uh, we're trying to figure out what the best thing to do. But it's, it's, a, it's not just a matter of we do something in a week and just kind of throw it together. It's a, it's a, we go through camp and then they basically almost start planning the following month for next year. So it, there's a lot that goes into it. So we're appreciative for that. So I wanted to give you an update. So thank you for giving uh, toward that. And I would encourage you to do so. Let's blow the top off that $1,000. Um, and that way there'll be, maybe you'll do some things because we've run a deficit on camp several years in a row. Um, so let's go ahead and, and blow the top off that, and maybe once we hit 1,000, Dre would have to increase that goal and whatever, you know? Let's keep on going. All right, you can take that, John, Jake. <coughs> so I'm going to uh, encourage you to fill these out. Boys, if you could pass these out for me, please. It's just three things, and it's very simple, and you will see why we do it at the end. But I'd like you to keep that and have it for the end because we're going to use it. And I'm going to be the only one that is exposed and have to show everybody what the answers are. Thanks, man. So I want you to put your top three, what you feel like are your strengths and weaknesses on that sheet. And if you're anything like me, this I filled out really fast, and I didn't fill my third one in for weakness or strength, excuse me, until this morning. And I started this three weeks ago. So it took me a while because every time I would go ahead and, and I'd write, think about writing a strength, I'd be like, oh, wait a second, I, I need to improve on this particular area, so I can't call that a strength of mine. So I'm going to do it anyway. So why don't you go ahead and why don't you take just a minute to fill those things in. I'm going to do the same, and I'm going to share mine with you. If you don't have a pen, share. It's not a long list. And if we run out, just put one on a... Uh, on an offering envelope or something. Three strengths and weaknesses. As I mentioned, I'm going to share mine with you. The strengths that I put down here is I am passionate. I'm a very passionate person pretty much about everything that I do. Uh, there isn't really much in life that I do Basically, if I can't be passionate about it, I really don't want to spend any time with it, really. And uh, sometimes that has ended up being a weakness, <laughs> um, but I consider it a strength. 
to be passionate about what you do. I'm passionate about the Lord. I'm passionate about your growth. I am passionate about worship. I am passionate about my family and their growth and becoming and walking in everything that they have. I, I pray with the kids every night. I try to remember to say this every time, but that they would walk worthy of the calling the Lord has placed on their life. That's exactly what I want for you as well, that we would walk worthy, because we all have a calling and an election that the Lord has placed over our life, but we walk worthy of that. Secondly, consider it. I try to in many cases, and this is where I was was, uh, struggling at times because I was asking myself, am I considerate with those that are closest to me? Namely, those that live under my roof. Most importantly, the one that, that shares a room with me. And I think when you... When you put it like that, that's because sometimes, let's just be real, right? Our spouses know what buttons to push, and they're the ones that sometimes can frustrate us more than anything because they know us the most. Not that they do it intentionally, but that's just what happens. When you live together with someone all the time, you're going to have disagreements. But I want to, I've always considered, and I was raised to be considerate of others' feelings, to be considerate of other people's time. Um, when I make a decision, I try to consider others in doing so. Be inclusive in that. The last one is the one I had trouble filling in, and I actually was reminded that um, I got it from my son, CJ. He said, I don't know what it was for, Thanksgiving or Father's Day or something, and he made a list of things that he liked about his dad, and one of the things that he said was, he said I was a servant. And so I don't say that as I'm proclaiming that as one of my strengths, but I'll use what he said um, and it was kind of cool to me because we've never talked about that before. So it was completely by observing that he even said that. Observing, observing me as serving others. And so that's what he said. So that's what I consider probably my top three strengths. Now we get to go to the fun part. My top three weaknesses. Something that I have, I'm trusting the Lord and continuing to gain victory in. But something I've struggled with my entire life is contentment and in many things, in many situations, and it's caused many struggles in my life because of it. Patience. Sometimes I'm not the most patient person in the world, especially when I'm annoyed. That's when I'm the least patient. Something is, we have some kind of special service here, and all of a sudden, of course, that's when the sound system finds this weird buzz, and it's five minutes before service is supposed to start. If you ask the worship team, I'm not the most patient person in the world at that moment in time, but most of them have been with me for so long, they almost expect it at that point, so they just kind of let it, you know, (laughs) roll off their back. But I'm trying, because those are the moments when patience is tried, right? Not when everything's going well. So tribulation works patience. I don't ever pray for patience. I learned that a long time ago. I don't know if it was from Brother Gary or Brother Joe Nieves, but I remember one of them saying that if you... That patience, through tribulations comes patience, so don't ever pay for, pray for patience because you will then be asking the Lord for tribulation. So that's something I don't ever pray for. And then the last one is pride. Uh, something that, is, that I've fallen in, in my lifetime because of pride. I try so hard to do things right that I don't like when I, there, it's pointed out when it's wrong. Um, and because of that, it causes me to be very defensive. Um, it's interesting that she's not here at this moment, but we had a discussion yesterday about uh, me being defensive. And I've been, I don't want to say accused because it's rightfully so, but I've been uh, told that I've been defensive my entire life. 
and I take things personally. And I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to take it? Publicly? Because you're talking about me. So, uh, but that is something, some things that I struggle with, but there is some good news coming. Good news. We're not just airing our dirty laundry just for the sake of walking in defeat, but we're walking in victory today. Brother Dale Frazier, Sr., said something on Friday night of our anniversary service that has been burning in my spirit ever since. And I'm really grateful for the word of the Lord. Probably this one for sure. I don't even want to put a, a quantify. But several of the messages that I've had this year have been birthed by someone else that was speaking and maybe it had been one verse or one word or whatever it might be and the Lord continued just to, to speak to me about that, those things and it just began to open up. And maybe it wasn't even at time, you know, something that was the main focus of whomever was speaking um, of their message, but it was just a, some little thing, maybe even been a rabbit trail. It may have even been only for my, for my good so that I could ter- in turn share with you. But I say that to say this. I'm not going to be very long today. So I'm going to encourage you to put it out, everything else aside just for a few moments. If you do use your uh, app on your phone, and if an email comes through that Target's having a sale this afternoon, let's, re- let's read that later on. Because what's going to happen is you're going to look at that and be like, oh, you know what, I need to go to Target. And then also, oh, you know what, do we need milk? Oh, we need some eggs too and bread. And all of a sudden now 10 minutes has passed and what the Lord had for you is missed because of that email for Target. I'm not speaking against using the app for your phone. I use one myself. I'm, I don't care about that. But that has been one danger in that, that's been introduced. If, you have, if you're looking in your, in your Bible, it's not possible for an advertisement to come through. However, you can get an advertisement roll through your mind. So you're not just guaranteed just because for those that are older school that use their Bible still, you're not exempt from from little uh, things coming in your mind and all going, oh, wait, I need to go to the grocery store. Just because you don't get an email or a notification doesn't mean your mind can't wander. So I'm going to ask just a few, for a few moments, I, you know, this should be go without saying all the time, but specifically today because there are some things that we're going to address because each of us have written down some things that we feel that we are weak in. And there's good news that is coming. There's good news. So let's not delay. I want to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to speak today about someone that is fairly popular in Scripture, but not much is really said about him. He has a unique testimony that only one other person, in both situations, only one other person in recorded Scripture has ever experienced what he did. And he was relatively early from Adam was his life recorded. We know that Adam was the first man that was born. He had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, and then they had another son named Seth. So second from Adam is Seth. Then you have another guy named Enosh with an S. Then another guy named Canaan, spelled a little differently than the land. Mahalel, Jared. And Jared's father was Enoch. And that's who we are going to be looking at. If you were to count the generations from Adam, guess how many generations Enoch was? Seven. What does the number seven represent? Perfection. Completion. It's not by coincidence. 
that Enoch was seventh from Adam. Not even remotely. Was it possible for the Lord to have had Enoch be Jared's father? Absolutely. Was it possible for Enoch to have been born in place of, to replace in the line of Adam? Sure, without question. My God can do anything. But it was intentional that he had, and he saw the end from the beginning, and he said, I'm going to have one that's going to have a testimony. And just by circumstance or coincidence, not really, I don't believe in, I'm going to have him be seventh generation away from Adam. Because seven represents completion and perfection, and that's exactly what Enoch represented. Now the man Enoch, we don't really know too much about him. We don't know what his profession was. We don't know his position. We know who his dad was. But other than that, there really isn't too much said about him. But the few words that are spoken are pretty heavy. So let's look here. Jared lived in verse 18 in chapter 5. Jared lived 162 years and begat Enoch. And after Enoch, he lived 800 more years. So all the days of Jared were 962. Enoch, however, comes on the scene. He lived 65 years and begat Methuselah, who was, if you know, the longest recorded life of anyone in Scripture. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch, and here's the testimony, walked with God 300 years. Now, how many years was it prior to Methuselah being born? 65 plus 300 is 365 years, which kind of sounds familiar. Yeah? How many days we have in a year, which is kind of cool. Something to think about. But in any event, we see that Enoch walked with God. Three words, walked with God. Powerful words. It's only said of one other person, which we'll get to in a little bit. But what all does that mean? Well, imagine here we have Enoch is going with on daily walks and communing with the Father. He's having conversations with him, communing with him, talking with him. In relationship with him. Enoch wasn't running ahead and, and saying, God, come on, come on, catch up with me. I, I have these things and dreams I want to do. And, and the Lord wasn't having to pull him behind him either, saying, will you come on already? Then come on and come, come away with me. But he was right in lockstep with him the entire time. He walked with God. How many times is it that we fail to to walk with the Lord and continue on in the path that we're supposed to. Enoch walked with God. You know, sometimes we do the same thing and we feel like we are walking right in lockstep with where the Lord is. But the difference of the testimony that Enoch had is that it was a continual thing. It wasn't during a season in his life and then he fell away and, and, and got bored with it or, or got lax and because of, of other things that, that came into his life. But he was continually walking with God. He didn't see God's face only during adverse times, but daily. He didn't only walk with God when he was getting 
ready to speak before a, a group of people or maybe going to share something for a Sunday school or, 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 in a men's bi- or women's Bible study or, or even standing in front of the group and, and sharing something. He didn't only speak and commune with God during those times in preparation for that, but it was a daily thing. He didn't only seek and, and commune with God when he was getting ready to, to lead worship or, or if there was a time that he was going to do some type of ministry or, or do something where he was going to actually going to be in front of people or he needed to have his act together. But it was a daily communion that he had with the Lord. It wasn't just a matter of a New Year's resolution. And trust me, he had 365 of them. So it wasn't a time where he was just saying, I'm going to really, Lord, this year, 2017, is, it's going to be my year, and, and, I, and I'm going to live for you. And, and then come February, then and all of a sudden we see it's kind of dull, and, and we're right back to the place where we are right now, or maybe even worse. He wasn't seeking God's face or only during tragedy and asking and crying out for help. But we see with the children of Israel, the Lord's faithful. He met them right where they were. And we've been reminded so many times in 2016 that he sees you right where you are. But it isn't just that Enoch didn't only seek his face during these times, that it was a daily act and habit for him. It wasn't a matter of that he saw God's face only right after he had a really good service and he, he, maybe he cried or shed a tear or he, he felt goosebumps and said, I made a promise to before the Lord and said, I'm going to do this. And then Monday comes along and yes, I'm good. I, I read my Bible this morning. I spent time in prayer. And Tuesday I read, but I didn't have time to pray. And by the time we get to Wednesday, then I, I didn't do either because, you know, I, I'm pretty busy. But it was daily for Enoch. He walked with God. It was part of the fabric of who he was. It wasn't just something that he, he just kind of did as a, as a sidecar. You know, a motorcycle, you see, we don't see it very often now, but you see sidecars, right? Sidecars don't ride by themselves. They, they had to be hooked to something. This, this in, in terms of Enoch, he was, it was part of who he was. It wasn't just something, a, an accessory. It, didn't, it wasn't a watch or a necklace or a tie that he put on. It was part of who he was. He was at peace with the Lord. We know that from last month. We learned about Amos. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, that can two walk together unless they are agreed. We know that in order for him to walk with God, he had to be in communion and to be in agreement with the Lord, being yoked together. When we were out at Brother Russ's, we were, we were pulling his um, log splitter, and this was a, mon- it's a monstrous machine. It's heavy. And uh, we, the guys are taking ropes and putting them over their shoulders and pulling together, and you know, we're making jokes about being unequally yoked because it was kind of going all over the place. You know, we only had to pull it 25 feet. Imagine having to pull it for great distances. But they were in agreement because they walked together. Let's continue reading here. He walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. Man, what a, what a small statement, but I thought about him. So all the days of Enoch, or 365, it says it again in verse 24, and he walked with God. And, and the Lord took me back to 23, and, and at the very end it says, and he had sons and daughters, and he still continued to walk with God. You know, he wa- it wasn't a matter of, well, you know, Lord, I'm going to use my kids as an excuse because they got soccer, and they got football, and they got basketball, and they got, they got band, and they got, they got uh, uh, instrumental, and they have these things, and National Honor Society, and they have all these different things that they have to be involved in, and, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got work. 
But it was Enoch had sons and daughters, yet he still was in communion and walked with God. It wasn't a, a secondary thought. It was who he was. And by the way, he also had a family as well. That is what I desire for all of you, that your individual, your personal walk with the Lord is, is part of who you even are. It, it, you identify with as much as you identify your name. Identify with, I am a son of God. I walk with him. I commune with him. I, I'm in an agreement with him. And all the things that I have going on, which are great things, we're not to forsake our family. There was a, an article that was posted on Facebook Facebook this week is talking about ministry, how they forsake their family in the name of ministry. That's out of line too. I'm not talking about ministry today. I'm talking about your personal walk and relationship with the Lord, which does, it is supposed to be held in higher esteem than your family. It is. Our priority is the Lord first, then our spouse, not our children, but the Lord first, then our spouse then our children. And if we don't have that in proper order, you cannot properly love your spouse or your children. You can't do it. So we had sons and daughters, yet he continued for 300 years to walk with the Lord consistently. He didn't say, oh, well, I'm busy, or I'm tired, I'm frustrated. So I'll just walk away for a while. The Lord's gracious. He'll allow me to come back. Enoch leaves us with no excuse. No excuse. Mind you, he was living. Well, you say, well, come on, Pastor Clark. He was, he was seventh away from Adam. I mean, think about the world that we live in today. Think about the world that they lived in. Because let's look at this here. In Genesis 6, 6, we see here that Enoch held his testimony even during a time when the world was very wicked. Because you know how Enoch, how far away from Enoch is Noah? Four generations. He's his great-grandfather. Oh, three, excuse me, three generations. He's his great-grandfather. That would be four. So you know the world is wicked. And we're not here to talk about Noah today, but if you read in chapter 6 how it talks about what the condition of the world, and it says the Lord was sorry that he created man. He regretted his own creation because of their wickedness and the things that they were doing. So you're telling me that it was easy for Enoch to hold this testimony when the, the world was so wicked, only three, four generations away from him, that the Lord lamented from actually creating this man to have communion with? Those are powerful. What a powerful phrase that the Lord regretted it. Man. So he leaves us with no excuse. Verse 24, once again, Enoch walked with God. We know one other person, one other person in Scripture this is said of. Flip over to Genesis 6, verse 9. I want you to see it. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. From Noah populated the, the entire world that we live in. He walked, 
he had a testimony too that he walked with God. His walk was not dependent upon his circumstance. And here's the part that left out in my spirit in the end of verse 24. And he was not. He was not. Well, we know that the story of Enoch is that it says that Enoch walked with God and he was not because the Lord took him. I think it was Brother Varner or somebody one time said that Enoch and the Lord went for a walk one day and then they got to the end of it. Instead of Enoch, you know, normally they would part and Enoch would go home and the Lord just said, you know what? Why don't you just come home with me today? Why don't you just keep on coming? Keep on walking with me. Before the Lord took him, I always thought about he was not, and it's true, because Enoch wasn't on this earth any longer. then I just started to think about that phrase. He, he was not. He wasn't. Enoch walked with God to the point he didn't even identify with himself any longer. Those things that he's known to be his weaknesses and things that he's not proud of were no longer because he was not. Discontentment is buried by an appreciation for the blessings the Lord has bestowed in a peace he pour, that pours over our mind. He was not. Impatience no longer has its grip on me by the blood of Jesus Christ, he was not. Unkindness is overcome by the love of Jesus Christ. He was not. Doubt is overcome by unwavering faith in the name of Jesus. He was not. Pride is replaced with humility, surrender, and honor. He was not. Greed is rooted out and gratitude floods your heart. He was not. Dissension is overcome by the unity of, bond, of the bond of peace. He was not. Sickness and disease. Sickness and disease, the stripes were already taken for that. He was not. Defeat is... Turned into victory by the one who finished his work. He was not. Anything of which we associate ourselves that is part, not part of the new covenant is not for you because you were not. That's exactly where we want to be. We're exactly what we're striving for. Just like Enoch no longer... Was he any, any longer, no longer did he not only physically walk on this earth. We get that. That's easy to understand. But how it applies for us is this. He no longer can identify with anything that is associated with this earth. He was no longer. Because it says in, in uh, was it Galatians? 
The life that I now live, I live in the faith because the Son of God who loved me and gave himself self for me. We live by faith. Not something we can muster up enough strength and enough worth or enough, enough uh, determination to say, I'm going to say I no longer am. I'm going to do it in my own strength. No. The life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. How can I do this? Because he loved me. What did he do? How did he demonstrate that? He gave himself for me. Even death had no power over Enoch. Why? Because he was not. Everything that you associate with yourself is under the blood of the Lamb. When we surrender all that we have to Him, when we do that, you will not be. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. We talked about this briefly on Wednesday, but we need to get to a point where we are placing everything in our lives before the Lord. Everything. And saying, Lord, is this thing right here, is this acceptable to you? Do I have liberty to do this, to see this, to listen to this, to watch this, to speak in a certain way, to have conversations or to have communion with someone? Maybe there are some people in our lives that we need to, for a time, disassociate ourselves not because we think we're better, but because of the fact that if they're causing us to walk away and astray, we need to reevaluate and place that relationship before the Lord. And say, Lord, is this, do I have liberty? Do, am I, is it okay if I do this? And if the answer is no, be willing to let it go. I challenge you with the music you listen to the movies you watch, the shows that are streaming in your home, the jokes that come out your mouth, the things you listen to on the radio. Lay them before the Lord. And say, Lord, is, is this honoring to you? And if it's not, let it go. Because in order for us to walk in step and be in agreement with the Lord, we have to be willing to lay those things aside. Let's look in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. He's mentioned here. Some guy who has a, I didn't count the words, but there can't be more than 30 words said of him in the book of Genesis. And here he is, listed with all these giants in the faith. Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. 
and was not found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. <laughs> that he pleased God. But once again, how am I supposed to please the Lord? I try so hard. I try to really grip my teeth and I really want to do this. I really want to please the Lord. I don't know if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't really genuinely at the heart of hearts really feel that way. But the problem is, is we try, listen to the words I said, I try so hard, yet I fail. That's the problem. You're trying so hard. This has nothing to do with you trying. How do we have a, a testimony pleases God? Well, let's look in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible that he pleased God, oh, to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not seek him on Monday and Tuesday and forget about it Wednesday through Saturday. Not seek him Sunday morning because, ooh, I better get myself right before I go to church because there might be some type of conviction or an altar call, and I want to make sure I'm good. And if there's some kind of visitation, I want to make sure, ooh, it doesn't get exposed. Seek him diligently. We seek him diligently. He had a testimony that pleased God. I ask you today, do you have a testimony that pleases God? We did something similar to this at camp, and it was powerful. By surrendering our weaknesses to the Lord. As we come before him and say, Lord, I want you to have your way in me. I don't want to be associated with those things any longer. But I give them to you in faith. Because I want to have the testimony that he was not. I don't want to have this testimony. I don't want that any part of my testimony. I want my testimony. You know what? Those of you that are around, and I'm laying in the casket, you're there for my funeral. You know what I want to be said of me? He was not. You don't have to say anything else. It'll be the shortest funeral in history. Because what else, what better thing can you hear besides well done? But the Lord is saying that to us. So what other thing can be our testimony be? We walk with God, we please Him, and He was not. Wow, so powerful, and I'm so grateful for His Spirit that He opens these things. Because I never before this I, and I've read the story of Enoch several times, and it always fascinated me. I thought it was so cool that there was this guy that was walking with the Lord, and just, whoop, the Lord, he went home with him. But I'd never thought about before the things that we have in our lives were no longer associated with him because he had that testimony. That's the only way to do that. So today, by faith, I'm going to declare 
These are not part of me any longer. They're covered under the blood of Jesus. By faith, I can walk in that, that he was not. So I'm going to encourage you to take your strength and weaknesses page, rip it in half just like I did. If you want to make that declaration and declare, not be a part of you any longer, I invite you. I invite you to come and put that in there too. Please come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me? Let's stand. Let's give the Lord a praise and a shout. Lord, we choose to walk in your victory. We choose, Lord, to walk knowing that we can be worthy of the calling you placed in our lives. Lord, not because of things we have done, but Lord, by your blood, by your strength, by faith, and the Son of God. Lord, because you loved us and you gave yourself for us. We're so grateful for that today, Lord. We thank you that these things that we've put in this shredder are no longer associated with these, and we can't go back and put them and glue them back together and, and identify with those any longer. Lord, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for your word, for your grace, and for your strength. Lord, we pray for this following days. Lord, when these, this declaration that we've made before these people is going to be challenged, Lord, we're so grateful that you've already seen this. Lord, that you give us strength during these times. Give us your grace and 
in your mercy. Lord, that we will continue to press on and walk in you. So you can say that we are not. We thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen and amen. You're dismissed.